We're continuing where we left off. It is October 18th, 2020, and we're continuing with the thought of the week and prayer. Uh, here is your thought of the week. Salvation is a wonderful event. By turning our attention to growing up in our spiritual lives, we are in no way diminishing the priceless gift secured by Christ. However, I think there is an undue emphasis spent on salvation. The religious world is spending their entire lives in pursuit of salvation. As a tempting carrot that cannot ever be realized, religion sees salvation as never really settled, which keeps most in hot pursuit of their salvation. This is awfully confusing and misleading to many. Let me say first, if you are not saved, you really should spend all your time making sure you have accepted God's gracious offer. The problem I see here is the disregard of God's way of salvation. What is disregarded is the fact that salvation is free. The fact salvation is free. The fact that salvation is a free gift and not by works, our works at all, tells us that we are not to spend our whole life working to be saved. And if we and if we are not to spend all our life toiling for something that is absolutely free, then God must have something else for us to do while we are here on earth after salvation. If we are not spending time focused on God's expectation after salvation, we are wasting our time and his time too. On top of that, those pursuing a salvation by works will never get it. But I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Romans 10, 2. and losing the race. I have a small commentary uh, on this thought, um, and I want to refer to John 3.16, which I'm, true, I'm just going to read, um, because the Bible tells us in Romans that in Adam all die, and in Christ all shall be made alive. So I, I want to read Romans 3.16 quickly. It says for that everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only 
righteous, I'm adding righteous son. Bible clearly states salvation is free. And it comes through God's righteous son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the only way. At this time, I'm going to turn the service over to the wife for our prayer. Thank you. Amen. Thank you very much for that, Fred. Amen. All right. Um, before I pray, um, I'm going to be praying about you know our church, the worldwide church, our families and extended families. Does anybody have any special request on top of that? All right. I think we'll we'll go ahead and pray. And I think anybody who has something specific, you know, God already knows what is on your heart. And, um, you know, our prayers are being constantly offered throughout every moment of every day. So let us bow our heads. Um, dear Father in heaven, thank you for such a wonderful privilege of being able to take advantage of this technology that we have in such a way as to deeply look into your plan, um, not only for salvation, but also coming fully to the truth, the accurate truth that is in your word. I pray for our church, Water Street Church, especially those who are on this call right now, that the eyes of our hearts might be open so that we could fully understand the inheritance that we have in Christ. I pray for the church worldwide that they also may come to an understanding and also um, we understand there's a lot of persecution in this world and there are those who have um, rejected Christ in some violent way and we pray for those who are in that path. We pray for our families, our immediate families, our extended families and those that we may encounter. Uh, let us have a heart for anyone and everyone we encounter. Those sick and those tired, dying, mourning, I pray for comfort for those and for the success of the Holy Spirit and the work of those people and um, you know the, the motivation of love to be on our hearts in, in regard to um, you know the synergy of working with the Spirit toward your plan. I pray that everyone would be drawn closer to you and accept your gracious gift of salvation through faith. And then also through that faith and humility, grow in the capacity to be renewed and transformed every day. I pray for all those suffering in this world. Tribulations abound, unfortunately. And on top of that, we as Christians have that message that many reject some violently. But I also pray as God desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And let us let us be on the same page as, as you are, Father. And keep in mind that we have requests that come upon our hearts throughout the day. And um, we ask you to hear those prayers as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, amen. To Fred and Dwight for managing that for us. The thought of the week in prayer. Appreciate that. Uh, so we are going to continue in <clears throat> John chapter 15. Hopefully you have notes. And uh, let's pull those out so we can get to uh, John chapter 15, verse 5. It reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there are some important themes we can learn from the first several verses in John 15. If you didn't pick up anything else in your Christian experience, make sure you know your place is to remain in Christ. When we speak about remaining in Christ, we must agree that remaining is not sporadic or seasonal. Remaining means that we stay continuously in Christ. What an important message to send to us as Jesus was leaving the disciples. I remember when I was a child and watched those old movies. Often an actor would, or actress would die at the very end, but just before they died, they would have their moment of truth. In whispered tones and with their life ebbing away, they would say their last meaningful words. All eyes and ears were focused and leaning forward to hear. Our posture should be the same as we lean in to hear the last teaching Christ would deliver. Stay tuned. So this is these are the verses that we happen to be in. Those last, his last discourse. And uh, I am privileged to be able to go through these verses and just allow it to all soak in to us. So we covered uh, the each verse, it seems, adds a little more. So what does this verse add? Let's take it. I am the vine and you are the branches. So the first thought, my first thought is, here we see the roles condensed and repeated for clarity. And we already know that Christ, he already told us that. He's the vine, we're the branches. <laughs> he, it, this is not new, the father is the gardener. So uh, the thought is, he's, he's condensing it, he's repeating it, so that he can build on it. So just so you remember. So you remember, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So can we advance the Father's plan in this world? Because that's what this is about. It's not about salvation, which we already know. It's, it would bring, or it would be taking a new direction. And he's just restating, I'm the vine, you're the branches. These are the players. We already know the Father. Imagine that given to us in such a plain analogy. The Father's the, you know, I am the true vine and my Father's the gardener. And you are the branch. So that's the role you play in this world. Um, so point, point, the next point is make sure you know your place here and why you have been called to this purpose. In other words, no branch can bear fruit by itself. And you, you should know that if you're going to be productive in this world for God, then there are some definite, certain rules that you would have to uh, abide by. You, you can't just wing it and think that, well, you know, I, I think I'm good and I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. There are certain rules that are inherent in bearing fruit. You know, it made me 
look at a couple of things in, in this verse that I hadn't brought out before. So hopefully, you know, it won't just be repetition. Oh, yeah, I already know I'm the vine and, and you are the branches. I, I got that already. So why are we repeating it? Because there's emphasis when repetition happens. And here it's more of a summation so that he can add more to what he has already built in us. So we should know our calling. We should know our place. Right? Don't ever think you are the vine. <laughs> don't, don't ever think you are, because if you are the vine, then you're the Lord. If you're the, if you're the gardener of the fruit, then you're, you're taking the Father's role. Let's, let's stay in our role. Our role is not to invent the, the Father's plan. It is not to replace the Father's plan with our plan. And our role is not to take the vine's uh, role, which is we can choose whatever we want in our lives. We're the Lord. Right? So even Christ as Lord, that it is through him that the fruit comes. It doesn't come from Christ. It is through Christ. That means it's the Father's plan. So we got to know our calling. So in Ephesians 4.1 is a interesting verse where it is the first verse after 3. <laughs> 3 was a monumental chapter, Ephesians chapter 3. He said some fantastic things in chapter 3. I'll just quote a couple. Uh, last few verses. So it says, verse 19, And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's off the chart. Then verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. But then in Ephesians 4, we, I mean, this was a mountaintop. I mean, we, we didn't even quote all the verses, but wow. In Ephesians 4, 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then. And just get this. Paul is saying these lofty things about him, you know, filled to the measure. That we, you know, that we know the height, the depth, the width, the length. Uh, all that. He's saying this as a prisoner. He's he's a prisoner of Rome at this time, in, at this hour. And yet, he turned that around to say, as a prisoner for the Lord then. So he's saying, even though I'm in prison, this is God's will for me right now. And part of it, the prison epistles, if we, we might not have had Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, if God didn't hold Paul up and say, Paul, you, you need to sit down and write something. Because those prison epistles are probably the most powerful of all Paul's writings. I mean, he dealt with some deep things in those prison epistles. So God slowed Paul down in all of his missionary journeys. And he made like three journeys. Slowed him down. And he, he said, I need you to write. So Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He just started talking about, he just finished talking about all those fantastic things 
that were about our life and how, uh, you know, God said he would do immeasurably more, more than we can ever even imagine according to the power that is at work within us. There is who we are in Christ is not yet fully realized because we can't experience it yet. We can know about it. We can't experience it. So he's saying that we, the objective, even though we have all this ahead of us, the objective is that we live a life worthy of this calling. That's what we're talking about here in bearing fruit. That's exactly what we're trying to say. We've got to know our place. What are we doing here in this world? Why are we here now? So point C, back to our notes. Do you accept Christ's role over you? Do you, do you accept it? Jesus is Lord. Do you, are you willing to submit to his lordship as one who uh, recognizes that uh, God the Father <clears throat> wants to bear fruit through you? I, this is important for us to remember when we think about this. Will you accept Christ's role over you? Some people don't. It doesn't mean... Uh, Christ is not Lord if you don't uh, recognize him as Lord. He's already Lord, whether you know it or not. But will you accept it, is the question, in your life, in the things that you, your motivations and the things that are important to you in life? Will you allow Christ to lead you in that? And then the question becomes, do you accept your role? You have to accept Christ's role. You have to accept your role. You, you know that God chose you from eternity past. He chose you in Christ uh, before time began. You accept that? Because that's where you hail from. You don't hail from Adam anymore. You used to. But you hail from Christ, from eternity past, where God selected you to be in Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians 1.4. After it says he had blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. He chose us in him <clears throat> before the creation of the world. And uh, this is important for us to note. Uh, that, that section of it, when, when I think about I segment some of the things because there's so much that we have to focus on one part of it is that we have to accept the fact of who we are in this world. What are we here for? What is your niche in life? What, do you, what did God bring you here to do? And many people have this life search, and trying to find themselves, and they finally find some job or vocation that uh, they feel fits them well. And here's your niche. If you're on this call, this is your life. And this is the role that God has chosen for you from eternity past. Now, you might not like it, but it is the only role that will satisfy your heart's desire. Because this is who we are, essentially. This is what God made of us. And you could run from it. You could deny it. You could say, I don't care about it. You could neglect it. But... Nothing will make you feel and mentally and emotionally 
that this is where you belong. This is it right here. This is your calling. And when people come to grips with that, and they begin to say, okay, I accept the role, the call that God has over my life. And there's a couple verses that I see. It's the same. Let's go to John 12 for the thought of this. So I'm going to turn to John chapter 12. Stand by. Bible's a little slow today, but I'm getting there. 12, 24 through 27. So let's look at these verses. 12, 24. Verily, verily, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So Jesus is using what he has to go through. He's, he's contemplating. He's, he's in thought about what is ahead of him, what he has been called to. Here he knows what he's going to do, but he's taking us through the thinking process of how it all works. So then he says, and, and he includes us in this. You would imagine because you know why? We're following right after him. We're going to be the ones who are identified with him and we have to come to the same conclusions that he came to. So listen, let him uh, lead us into this. He says, if it, if it dies, it remains, if it doesn't die, it remains, it, let me read it again. Very truly I say, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So when, when you see this next phrase, he includes us for sure. So it must be that it includes us in the first phrase as well. Because even though we don't have to go to the cross and die for sins, we do have to die to self. And if we die to self, God is able to use us in marvelous, fantastic ways that he couldn't use us when we were just a single seed, full of self. So then he says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life. What are we talking about here? We're talking about calling. The role that God has for you. And these are stark words from Jesus Christ to tell us how important our life is and how impactful it can be in this world. Verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me. Right? It's, you're not going to be doing your own thing. It's not going to be about uh, your plans, your ambitions. So where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who served me. Why? Because I'm serving the father. I'm doing what the father's plan is. So if that's my whole life, is to be obedient to the Father's plan. What do you think those who follow me, what will be their life? It's going to be the same thing. And if you do it for me, the Father will honor you. He will honor the one who serves me. Then he says in verse 27, now my soul is troubled. This is him separating out his life to you know, to fulfill the Father's purpose. And this, is, this is his reasoning. He's allowing us to see. And what shall I say? 
Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. So he doesn't enter it with no thought. He says, oh, well, yeah, just, I'm here to do the Father's will. I'm just going to do it. doesn't matter. I'm just going to do whatever the Father said do. No, this shows the humanity of Christ and the thinking that went into the decisions that he had to make while he was here on earth. And this helps us as we come to reckon and reason with our life here and the impact that we have in this world. Is it going to be us alone, our purposes, about all about who we are, or are we going to allow God to use us? Are we going to be that branch, like it says, where it's the Father, it's through Christ, it's through us, and then we see this beautiful fruit that's that's the goal in this so this is about our calling and so he says i am divine you out of branches he does he's restating this to say that you got to know your role you got to know your place here and you may not accept it you may never accept it you may choose you know i'm saved i have eternal life i don't know what else i need to do but I don't really care because I'm going to live my own life the way I want to. And <clears throat> that that is your choice. God gave you life and it's up to you to live it the way you want to live it. But you know what? You could also die, meaning separate yourself from that and adopt the life that God has given you calling that you have received so that's what's ahead of you if you choose it so you got to take up your cross is what it means and follow him <clears throat> there's no half step in here okay, where you might say well okay i'll do some things but the rest of it i don't know because then what's going to happen to me what do i have <laughs> you 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 have to die that's what it, what he means by Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's the bearing. The, you will bear much fruit. That's in our next phrase. If you do, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in him. Let's get to it. <clears throat> Point number two. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So he restated the whole thing. You, you got your role. Now he's telling you the most important thing about your role. It's obviously remaining in him. Right? That's, that's the most important part. So let's dig into it a little bit. So first thought. Here are the best and only conditions for bearing this fruit. How does this translate to the spiritual life? So and here it, here's how it is. It's developing love for the Father's plan. And it takes maturing. So, you know, this is 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7 is the text I want to use to illustrate this. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7. But even while you're turning there, I hear hopefully pages turning. I did some research. <laughs> research. I looked up on Google. <laughs> I Googled a couple things. How long does it take for 
let's say an apple tree to produce fruit. Let's say you plant it. How long is it going to take for that apple tree to produce fruit? And it takes, and this is what the timing was, from two to ten years. I thought, man, that is a long time. And then I looked at another uh, link, and it said, oh, from three to seven years. I thought, okay, that's better. But it's still a long time in order for, you know, for you to plant that apple tree and then for you to be eating nice, fresh, crisp apples. And that's, and I look, so then I started looking at other things like cherries, I love cherries, pears, <laughs> none of them, none of them were less than two years before and I think the cherry tree the the guy had a, a he bought the whole tree already it was like a like a a small tree and he planted it and it was still going to take uh some time but that in in that it just says that it takes maturing it does take maturing before fruit can be seen i think we have to come to grips with that and this is what God is telling us. So 1 first, first Corinthians 2, 6 and 7, look, look at this. So in 6 he says, we do, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So he's, don't go back to Israel. Don't, don't be thinking that Israel is wisdom. That's not that. We got something different from that. It's not about that. So... But first, the fact that he's even talking wisdom is to say that's for the mature. It's, verse 6 is pretty clear. It's a, we speak this message among the mature. Babies can't handle it. So in chapter 3, which is the next chapter in 1 Corinthians, beyond 2, he says, I am writing to you, you know, even though you're babies in Christ, you, you're not able to handle meat you're still on milk so maturity deals with the deep things of god so he says then in verse seven no right it's not about israel we declare god's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that god destined for our glory before time began so there you have it right there it's all about here it takes maturing to be able to assimilate the meat of the word. It is not, and, and the mystery, and what God, and this wisdom that God has, you know what it takes a lot of, before you get to wisdom, you have to have knowledge. And you have to have knowledge to, to an extent where you are able, your mind is able to take that knowledge and to make proper applications to it. And that's where it comes in, the wisdom, right? the, the maturing. It's not just, I know this, but I know the best way when it comes to this. I know the intricacies of this. That's maturing. That's wisdom. So when you think about that, we, we, we're developing love for the Father's plan. That is not something any person, you could say you love the Father's plan, but it doesn't mean you really do. It doesn't even mean you know it. Uh, people can say anything, but when it, when true love for the Father's plan, that matters. Right? 
So that verse says, and I, I'm not trying to exclude any, anybody from this information, but I'm, I am telling you, this information is for the mature. That's what it says here. There's a wisdom in this. And then God says in verse 7, this wisdom was destined for our glory before time began. We've been talking about that on Wednesdays. We've been talking about it freely here. So I hope that, you know, what we have here is people who are able to assimilate. And as far as I can tell, we are assimilating this information. Um, this, this talk that we are doing, this, like it says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. That's what we're doing here. So people will not be able to abide very long if they didn't understand what was going on. I believe we do understand what's going on. So that is what we're, we're talking about. And it's for the mature. So let's keep going. So uh, point B, our role as the branch, this is 2B, is to remain, stay consistently in the vine. Now, so when it says, so that word remain, abide, which is minno in the Greek, that is to stay. It doesn't mean, well, you pop in to abiding and, and then you pop out and, or it, it is, oh, well, you know, I'm really feeling spiritual, so I'm going to, you know, uh, abide in Christ now. It uh, doesn't work that way. So to be consistent, and, and the only way we could be consistent, consistent in this is that it is about love. So this is accomplished by love in the same way our Lord accomplished his mission. If we look at a couple of verses here to illustrate that. So John 14, 31, you already know by heart by now. I will read it again. But the but he comes, he's he is God the Holy Spirit. So that the I'm sorry, that's not God the Holy Spirit, that's Satan, the prince of this world. <laughs> that was a terrible mistake. So John 14, 31, but he comes so that the world may learn, and this is what the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly as the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So, so that verse illustrates to us love and how Jesus saw the Father's plan. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm just going to be obedient to the Father's plan. He said, I love the Father. He didn't say, I love the Father's plan. By him saying he loves the Father, that is what that means. He loves the father's plan over his life. And his father, the father's plan over his life was for him to go to the cross. That was key. If that wouldn't happen, we couldn't even be here talking about anything today. If Christ hadn't gone to the cross, fulfilled all righteousness, and died for the sins of the world, none of this would be possible. So then uh, we want to look at um, Romans. Go back to Romans chapter 5. I just want you to see that love here. It's not something that is frivolous. It is an abiding motivation that we now have. And that motivation is where we love the Father's plan as well. And that it causes us to be devoted to it. It causes us to do exactly what the plan 
says that we should do. We want to do what God's plan is. We, we are dismissing our lives, right? Seek, don't seek what's on earth, earthly things. Your mind is in heaven, on heavenly things. Right? So we are fully focused on what the Father's plan is for the church, for us. And that is the love of our lives. That is where we find ourselves. And this is what we give ourselves to in this world. So that's how, when we look at Romans 5, 1 through 5, it talks about that love. But notice there are things that happen before we get to that love. I just want you to note those things. Uh, 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, that's salvation. Justify, we have been justified through through faith. We have peace. This is salvation. We don't have to worry. Remember we talked about before, salvation is not something that's hard. We're justified freely. There's no law that you have to keep in order to be justified by, by uh, through faith. It, it, it's, it's free. It's a gift. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ. He provided all the, the hard work. So that's salvation. Point uh, Verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And here's the point of he's realizing salvation was like walking through a door. And in that door, we now have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So this is somebody who understands it. He's looking back. So he's seeing what it took and what it takes to get there. Point number, uh, listen, point number three. Verse three. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So this is not after salvation, you know, we just glory in salvation. There's more that we have to do. Like we always say, It is God's objective that we be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. Notice there's suffering and we're in this world, we're on the battlefield. But what does that do for us? What does it allow us? It allows us uh, perseverance, right? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance is persistence, right? Consistency. Like we we talked about, right? Uh, abide in Christ, remain in Him. That means you're going to be consistently remaining in Him, and the perseverance and the trials and the troubles don't deter you from that. It strengthens you in that, right? And and in this hope that God has for us. So perseverance produces character. So the char- That's what it says. It strengthens. And, and allows us to become uh, at home with the hope that is that God has for us, right? We're, we're now comfortable with it. We're not ashamed of it. We're comfortable with it. So, and the character produces hope. And this verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Why is it? Because we, we're, listen, we are believing some, let's just lay it out there, some outlandish thing when it comes to people who don't know the word. When, when they listen to what you say about uh, the hope of our calling and the glory that will be uh, revealed in us, 
they will say that's foolishness. They will look down upon us and say, there's no way that, you, that these things can be true of you. No way. So, but listen, why are we not ashamed of this? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So notice the progression. You don't just get the love poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it's not automatic for every believer who... Because so, because there's stages of development that it takes to get to that place where God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. It takes maturing for love to be realized in, these, in this area. So Romans laid it out. Paul laid it out for you so that you could see how love works. And love is, so we are saying that remaining in him is equivalent to love. That's what it is. It's developing love for the Father's plan. And it takes maturing. So our role is to stay there. Right? And how, how would we stay there? Because we have that love. We're, our minds have been transformed into his image. It's not like we're having a battle between being conformed to this world. We have been transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we know what God's will is. His good and perfect and pleasing will. So this, this part here about love is important because it deals with, when he says, if you, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's, and how do you do that consistently? It's through love. And it takes maturing before you get there. Will there be vacillation before you get there? Absolutely. Some, some days, because you have to sort this out. Just like Christ was sorting it out when he was talking about that in John chapter 12. He says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came into the world. He was sorting it out. He was, he was showing you what love was in this world. How you ought to behave with the same attitude that he had in love. He was consistent. Right? He, 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 he says, I always do what the Father says because I love him. And as we come to this place where we love him, and I'm speaking to myself as well, I'm not going to say, well, you know, I'm already over here, and I have this, and I'm... No, I'm talking about this is for everybody. We have to sort these things out in our lives, and we have to come to this place of love in our hearts for the Father's plan. Not for Israel, not for the law, not for morality, for the Father's plan. That's what you were called. Not, not for any of those other reasons. You were called to this because it's the Father's plan for our lives. It's unique. So he accomplished this. Let's keep going. So remain in me and I in you. It's equivalent to that love. right? So I took, just so you can, you know, there's some phrases from the previous chapter, 14, where we just came from that emphasize how this love works. And it's the same thing, the same analogy that he's bringing forth in 15, where he's talking about remain in me and I in you. It's equivalent. 
Right? So let's look at some of the verses that he says. So the first one is, if you love me, keep my commands. John 14, 15. If you love me, that's what you will do. You will keep my commands. That shows you love me, right? What do you mean you love me? That means you're devoted to me. You're committed to my will. It's not just your will. It's my what I'm the Lord. I'm the one whose plan you ought to follow. Not your own plan. My plan. If you don't give up your life for me, Christ says, then you can't be my disciple. You won't follow me. In this, you have to give up everything. It's all or nothing. And this is what he's saying. The, the way we get there is love. So if you love me, keep my commands. Point number two. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Now, even though you might say, well, well we're, we're, that's the same thing as before. That's the same thing in the previous verse. But all of this is for emphasis so that you know what is the key ingredient here that you need in order to bear fruit. And it's love. It's remaining in him. Now, listen, listen love is, is really spoken of, when he says, remain in me and I in you, that means you've got to be consistent. You've got to stay in Christ. Stay in the Father's plan. Remain in his love. Right. So, so whoever has my commands and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. That's verse 21. And then also in verse 21, it says, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. So there are results for your devotion, your commitment, right, to Christ, right? There's you giving up yourself, you accepting the calling that you have received. If you have that love, then you will automatically obey. God knows that. So what is he saying? He's I want you to get to this place of love. Love is the true sense of obedience. It's not about, you're not obedient because you're going to get something. You don't, uh, you're not obedient because you're going to be rewarded, there's not even any great rewards here that are spoken of. It's talking about the, the motivation, the true motivation in the spiritual life. It is not about, well, let me pile up rewards so that I, that's my motivation. That's what I'm, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why was Christ doing what he was doing? It was because of the Father's plan. He loved it. That's what it was. He, he loved the Father. And when you get to that place then everything else is put aside. Right? This is your number one focus in life, the love for the Father. That's how you lose yourself. Anyone who loses himself, right? then you lose yourself in what? In the Father's plan. Verse 23, point number four. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Right? Same. So you might say, well, we already know that, Christ. Why do you keep telling us over and over again? The same thing, because it's important. This is the key to the spiritual life. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. It's not even a question. So the key is getting us to the place where we love him. And again, loving him is equivalent to remaining in him. What will happen if we remain in him? Well, we will bear much fruit what will happen if we love him then and the same thing and his words remain in you that you will obey his words you will keep his commands whoever has my commands and keeps them the one who loves me will be loved by my father 
Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Point number five, anyone who does not love me, here's, this is exactly where we were going with this, will not obey my teaching. Well, that's like not remaining in Christ. You don't love him. So that what is, what's going to happen? That means you're not going to see him. That's, that's those same questions we saw in, from uh, Thomas and Philip. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Or Philip, Lord, show us the Father, and then that will we'll be satisfied. Then that'll be enough for us. Jesus is saying, "You guys, you already are devoted to me. Now you just got to believe in what I'm telling you. You got to trust in my words. I'm telling. I'm, it is part of love is to do exactly as I'm telling you. These questions, while they are good questions, if you don't know, but they lead us to answers." where we develop that hope. And that's where the Holy Spirit can shed abroad that love, because we have the hope now. We know what our destiny is. We know what tomorrow brings for us. So, so the last one is where Jesus says, I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. So there you have the examples. So what will happen as a result of all of this love or remaining or abiding is you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. The goal of the whole process, that's it, that we bear much fruit. Now, this is really to say that the Father can use you in this world. Like This goes back to the, he's not saying I just want a whole bunch of fruit from you. What he's saying is, is that helps to advance Father's plan in this world. That's what it helps. You are now being used of God for His eternal purposes. Because you are allowing God to use you. That is like we were saying. It is from the Father, through Christ, who is divine, through you, who is the branch, and then the Father is able to bear fruit in this world. That advances the Father's plan. So there's no question to me that you want to advance the Father's plan because you love him, right? If you love him, then the same goal is you. It doesn't even say that you bear much fruit, that you'll get greatly rewarded. It's not even the point. It's that you'll be satisfied when the Father's plan is satisfied. So that's, that's the goal. So the same thing we read in Romans 8.23. So I'm going there. And you should be very familiar with this verse since we studied this on Wednesday nights at length. So 8.23 says, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So notice, this is, this is us in the attitude of groaning and yearning, the hope that is within us, right? Because we know what's next. We, it's so indelibly printed in our minds that we now understand who we are in this world. We know what our mission is. We understand who we are in Christ. And so, so we don't have the fullness. We only have the first fruits of the Spirit, which is the deposit. We only have that part of it. But it's enough our knowledge is complete. 
that we, we are aware of what God has given us. So that makes us yearn. We're still in these bodies of corruption. And it makes us yearn for God to complete the work that he started in us. So what does the yearning say? It says we want the same thing that the Father wants. That's why we have the same yearning and burning desire to have these things filled. I like what it says in Titus, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. We're just, it's like the horizon. We're just looking over the horizon, waiting until God finishes the Father's eternal purpose in us. Yes, their human history will continue, but this is the big deal of it all. So it, this is what the Father wants to advance in, in this world. It's his plan. Right? That's the most important thing. Colossians 2, 1 through 3 as well speaks to this. Colossians 2, 1 through 3, verse 1. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally. Now get this. My goal. right? My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Right? That's important. Right? Encouraged in heart, united in love. And same love we've been talking about. right? And, and not only just some of us, but when all of us have this attitude of love. You know what it does? It's infectious. Right? It, 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 it invades all those around us. People begin to, to learn the perspective and the worldview that we have. And it's contagious. I shouldn't say infectious and contagious in the, pand in the middle of a pandemic, but, but this is a, in a good way. Right? They may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So what will happen if you do have this so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding? Notice, we're not going to get, this is not our resurrection bodies and all the glory, that the experience of what God has done for us, the completion. We may know it, but we don't experience it yet. That's why we yearn. That's why we can't wait for God's plan to be completed because we don't have it all. We know it all, we can understand it all, but we don't have it in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice, this is all that we can have now on this side. Not, oh, wait till we get to eternity by and by, <laughs> oh Lord, by and by. No, this is now. This is when, you, right now, for you, you can come to the full... This is, Paul, this is what he's saying. It's his goal that he gets you to this place. Because that where, is where you'll be encouraged in heart and united in love. Encouraged in heart is akin to the hope that he has for us. And the love here is that devotion to the Father's plan. That love, the motivation that comes from all of, of the love will cause us to be used by God in marvelous and fantastic ways. Uh oh gosh, I'm looking at the clock. Yeah, I should stop looking at the clock. So, 
let's see if we can finish this last part. I know I'm over, but we will try to uh, finish this last part. So that's important. I'm hoping you guys see how love is used by Christ in chapter 15 through this illustration. Right? He uses it remaining in Christ and abiding in him and bearing much fruit and all that. So that's what he's getting to. So this part, point number three, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, meaning a branch apart, separated from the vine, will not produce fruit. You will not fulfill the Father's purposes. So what's interesting is we are given both sides and the outcomes for both. So if one side wasn't possible, there wouldn't be no need to mention it, right? In other words, if, if a branch could not exist apart from Christ, then there wouldn't be any need to, to mention it, to, to put pressure on our volition to, in order to remain in him or to abide in him. I hope that makes sense. Some people say, oh, no, it's not possible. If you're a believer, then you will do this and you must do that. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But what God does is he thoroughly gives us in the word is what both outcomes are. And I like that because now I know right? it's on me. It's up to me now. Either I, if I do it, then okay, I can know what, what to expect. If I don't, I can also know what to expect. And God's word is thorough. That's what we'll say. It's complete when it comes to uh, giving the whole understanding. People don't see that when it comes to salvation. He's given everything. He says, if, if you believe in me, you'll have this. If you don't, this is what will happen. And once you do believe in me, well, these are the limits of salvation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. Nobody can pluck you out of my hand. Nobody. You have eternal life. Nobody's going to take it away from you. You have crossed over from death to life. He tells us in detail so that we can know. We don't have to walk around. So what will happen if? And you say, well, you know, I don't know. Not sure. That's not a question I've looked at. Every question relating to the milk, God has answered. He has. <laughs> it's there. So we can fully, confidently, boldly stand on the foundation with no problem. Hopefully that is you. Point B, apart from me. When we see apart from me, you know, you can do nothing. But that's going to be explored more in the next verse. He tells you, we're right back to that whole thing where he explains in detail. You know, he tells us, and I'll read the next verse, just so since you are here, let's just read it. 15.6 is going to be next week. If you do not remain in me, let's explore that, God is saying. You will be like, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So you, he gives you exactly what the deal is for you, right? It's clear. Point C. So what is nothing here? So when it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That means no fruit for the Father. It means the Father's plan, you are not contributing anything. You are a problem, right? So in other words, it's through Christ, through the, from the Father, through Christ, but, oh, stop right here. Uh, you won't allow it to come through you. And why wouldn't that be? Why? Because you don't follow 
the Father's plan. You're not aware of the times in which you live. It could be that you think you are going to be an Israelite if you work hard and study all the scriptures about the Mosaic Law. Maybe that's what you think. You're going to be an Israelite. No fruit, as the super Nazi would say. No fruit for you. Right? So forgive me if that offends somebody. But in any case, there are some scriptures in this. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15 is the first one. 1 Corinthians 3 says, for no, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I think that's the most important verse in all of this. Right? We just talked about the foundation and how there is no wiggle room. Right? If you stand on the foundation, you ought to be on it confidently. There is no question about who Jesus is and the work that he has done. Right? There it is. There is no other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, those are all the building materials, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Notice we're talking about fire here. This is a little hint. Whenever we mention being burned in fire, guess what? It's all about judgment. So there's a hint for next week in verse 6. Anyway, so their work will be shown for what it is, for the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire. Fire will test each person's work. Now, notice, we're no, we know in here we're talking about ministers. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, right? Some people, uh, you know, said all these different factions were developing because they were following these ministers who they thought, were uh, teaching the correct way. They all had the foundation, which is good. I wish that were the case today. Today, when I listen to many different preachers, I find out they don't all have the same foundation. There's a problem there. So that's important to have the foundation. But notice here, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, right? And in the crowd, there was a crowd of people who were saying, I'm, we're following Christ. Well, but in their teaching is what was important. So you might say, well, yeah, this is for ministers and all that. But it is also for those who submit to those ministries. Right? If, you, if the minister is teaching incorrectly, that doesn't excuse you. So that, oh, well, you know, I was just following Minister Apollos. He taught incorrectly. So that's why I don't, I'm not producing any fruit. No, you're responsible to come to know the plan of God and love the plan of God. So anyway, it continues. Uh, verse 14. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And notice, it's a reward. It's not salvation. It's the foundation is where they got salvation. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will, he will be saved. Yet, but yet will be saved, even though... Uh, only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, the, the flames burned up all that he built on it. He will suffer loss. He won't receive the reward. That's the loss. He will, he will not get it. And there's other scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5.10, which says, uh, for we, we must all, not just ministers, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due them, him, 
for the things that are done in the body. And then the Hebrew 6, 7, and 8, it talks about land that drinks in the rain that often falls upon it, uh, produces a crop to which uh, is, you know, blessed, you know, it will be blessed, right? The land will be blessed by the, the person who planted the crop. Same analogy we have, but land that produces thorns and thistles is not obviously pleasing and it will be cursed. It's Hebrews 6, 7, and 8. You could read that. So the key is here for us, and we've read those before, but that's what it means, no fruit, just so you know. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, what will you do? Well, you you still, I'm sure, will be enthusiastic about your own plans and goals and vision for what you think your life should be, but it is not according to the Father's plan. That's the key. So point D is do not waste precious time while in this world. Wasted opportunity cannot be recovered. So once we, we're out of this world, we're off the battlefield. There's no, you can't say, oh God, you know, I get it now. Can you send me back so that I could serve? No, not at all. And you know, I used to always say it this way. If God were to say, you know what, you, you want off, you don't want to follow this plan. I got lots of angels, I'm sure would love to take your place. They would love to say, okay, because well, angels, they don't have the calling we have. They're not going to be sons. To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? None of them. So angels don't have the calling that we have. But they would be, I bet you, any one of those elect angels would be happy to, to, to be in your shoes right now. You don't want to be here. You don't want to uh, redeem the time. You want to waste time. You don't want to fulfill the Father's purposes. So Ephesians 5, here's some scriptures that deal with that. This is interesting. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. I know it's a lot. We'll go quickly. 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And he tells you what light is. For the fruit of light, light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what, what's in light. And, and find out what pleases the Lord. That's light too. Right? When you see something that pleases the Lord, that's light. Verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But look at verse 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. So once you see the truth about things in this world, that's truth. God's God, the way you could see that truth is God the Holy Spirit had to shed the light on that to expose it. Now that it's exposed, it's visible. Now God expects you to walk in it. Right? No, walk according to that truth. If he's shown you something is, is wrong in this world, he's shown, he's shining a light on it, it is your responsibility to walk in the light. And if you walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. And then verse 14. This is why it is said, 
wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. These are things, when we talk about doing nothing, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, I don't want to be in that category. 1 Corinthians 7, let's look at this one quickly. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through, where is it? 29 through 31, just a few verses here. So here, 729. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they do not. Now, this is not to say, oh, well, you know, I have a wife, so I'm single now. <laughs> That's, is, that, is that what he's saying? Not at all. Not at all. He's saying that the thing with husbands and wives that he does say is if you're a husband and you have a wife, then you have to be concerned about the things uh, of your wife and the things of the Lord. And if you're a wife and you have a husband, you have to be concerned about the things of your husband and the Lord. When he says, be as though you don't have a wife or a husband, he's saying, he, th time is short. It's time now to have single focus on the Lord. That's what he's saying. Uh, it's not to say it's bad to have a wife or husband, but he's saying you can now take that focus, put it on Christ, because the time is short. Now, of course, he wrote this a long time ago, but I would say the time is short, certainly now, if we've gone 2,000 years in the church age. So, And then he continues with the same thought, right? Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Because why? We're not going to be here. It's, it's, the hope in us longs for something else. And it's not this world. Those who use things of the world as if not engrossed in them. right? So we, we can we still got to use the things of this world. But we can't be engrossed in them because we our minds are somewhere else. For this world and its present form... Is passing away. And I will close with James uh, chapter 4 and verse 17, which you probably know. Yeah, it says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. What do I mean by this? Or what is James really saying? Listen. If you know this information, then you're on the hook. It's one thing if a person doesn't know about the mystery and you know the glories that are going to be in this church age and what God's call is over our lives and how he changed dispensations and he's calling out those many sons. Of, you don't know any of that? That's one thing. But when you do know it and you don't do it, then that is sin. You're missing the mark. You, you will not receive a reward. So just note, these are things to be concerned with. 
apart from me, Christ says, apart from the branch in the vine, you can do nothing. You will certainly not bear fruit. So let's, at this point, look toward next week where we will delve into even more detail of what it means from apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father. We're glad again that you've given us another week. And with each passing week, we are closer to that time when we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. We thank you for this hour, this opportunity that we have, not only just to be here, but to come to the knowledge of the truth, to love it, and to serve you in a way that is uh, just like our verse says, abiding. If we do remain in him, we will bear much fruit. So we thank you for this privilege to serve. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to have a, our benediction and then we'll close. Amen. Amen. And now unto him who was able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Amen.